Greetings and salutations from the Hill Turn Podcast. It is I, Devin Crimes Jr., bringing you another NXT 2.0 review. And I won't even play around. I'm going to get right to it. We started off with another NXT North American ladder match, qualifying match. It's a lot of matches in that match. Match, match, match. Okay, I'm done. It was between Solo Sokoa. And Roderick Strong to see who will go on to stand and deliver and be in the ladder match for the NXT North American Championship. And this was a back and forth match. You can almost, you almost didn't know who would win. Solo Sokoa is more of a striker versus Roderick Strong. And they were equal but different in a way. But mostly, like I said, it was back and forth. It was even. You didn't know who was going to really take it. But Solo Sokoa. We'll put away Roger Strong with a frog splash from the top rope. Like his brothers, the Usos. But we won't get into that. He's still solo. Solo Sokoa. So I won't even bring that up. But he will go on now to stand and deliver. To be in the ladder match for the North American Championship. And I'm tired of saying that because it's a lot to say for that qualifying match. Solid match. I like how it starts off NXT with just straight wrestling. I can't complain. And next, we would get Dexter Loomis taking on Tony D'Angelo. And this was not a bad match. It's not something I would tell you to go break your neck to go see. But watching it at first glance, it wasn't bad. Until the end, it was a bit funky. Only because there was a crowbar, I guess, in the corner. And Tony D'Angelo was trying to use it. But... I believe it was Indy Hartwell. She tried to take it from him. And then Persia, Persia Parada got it. She tried to take it from him. He eventually got the crowbar. And then the weird sequence was he hit Dexter Loomis in the face with the crowbar. But the referee also tried to dodge. So he didn't see it. But if you're trying to dodge, that means you can see it coming. You know, it didn't make sense. But the referee didn't see it. That was the story they were trying to tell. Tony D'Angelo would pick up the victory after the crowbar to the face. And Tony D'Angelo would cut a promo about Tommaso Ciampa and their match at Standard Deliver. Which would bring out Tommaso Ciampa, but not from the entrance, but from behind. And he would hit Tony D'Angelo with a fairy tale ending. Thus saying, he's going to write his own fairy tale ending at Standard Deliver. If NXT, if that's his last story in NXT, he's going to write the ending. And that was that from that. And next, we would get Electra Lopez taking on Fallon Henley. And man, I'm not going to make this about percentages and fractions. But Electra Lopez had like at least 97.8% of offense in this match. And, the, you know, I won't even go and be wrong about the percentage for 
Fallon Henley. But when she did have offense, it was the jankiest, choppy-looking stuff I had ever seen in the wild. And I'm glad it was only in spurts because, no. <laughs> I She had a match with Tiffany Stratton a few weeks ago. And that wasn't even that bad. Granted, that was a very short match due to an interference. But she didn't look that choppy in that match compared to this one. Like, just some moves just didn't connect, like, on time or something. I don't know if it's because based on just maybe they're not good working together. Maybe they're not in sync, you know, right? But moves that she would do would kind of just... Not hit like on the right time. Like the timing was off, I would say. So maybe it was maybe it wasn't her. Maybe it's just like I said, they're just not a pair that should that, that can work properly. Them as a pair working in a match probably just needs work. But Electra Lopez would pick up the win against Fallon Henley. And it wasn't really much to talk about in that match. Like I said, Electra Lopez had most of the offense. And we would get Draco Anthony backstage. And his phone would constantly ring. He'd look at it, put it back in the locker. Ring, pick it up, put it back. It's stupid. At least he wasn't lifting weights this week. But we find out, basically, it's Joe Gacy that keeps blowing up his phone all week, he says. And if he been blowing up your phone all week, you a grown man. He a grown man. Why you ain't block him? Just say, hey, bro, quit calling me and hit block. And move on with your life. What are you going to do? I mean, he invading your life. But, I don't know. Draco, Anthony don't be making the best decisions. So, I'm pretty much just saying what he should do and he won't. So, like I said, he wasn't lifting weights. So, I actually wanted to care about this segment. But I don't. Because he could have just blocked Joe Gacy and moved on with his life. But we'll see where this go. And then next we would get Robert Rude versus Brian Breaker. And Robert Rude would come out to his glorious theme. And every time he comes out to that theme, it just elevates him. Which I obviously is the point of the theme. And he was saying that earlier, like, you know, I was NXT champion here. I was doing that to people here. I was that man for 12 months. Put some respect on my name, Angles. You know, he was pretty much saying that. Leading into that match, it helped, you know, it was like he's a veteran. Braun Breaker's this upcoming guy. He's going to take on Robert Roos' partner, Dolph Ziggler, stand to deliver. Story's just writing itself. And the match was pretty solid. And Braun Breaker would pick up the victory by catching Robert Roos. Was, he was trying to do a crossbody off the top rope. Braun Breaker would turn that into a slam and get the pin for the win. But he would get super kicked by Dolph Ziggler at the entrance. And it was a weird, awkward transition. Because as Dolph Ziggler was talking all his trash, doing the Stone Cold, you know, shaking his head and all that. As he's still talking trash, it's fading to backstage with Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis. But, like, you can still hear Dolph Ziggler talking. I'm like, why you just couldn't give him, like, 15 more minutes unless he went over? Maybe it's his fault. But it was a weird transition. And I won't even talk about what they were talking about. <laughs> it was just a weird transition into it, which made sense because it was a weird segment. We would get now the, oh, I would say, last qualifying match for now. <laughs> the last qualifying match of the evening for the NXT North American Championship ladder match. It would be A-Kid taking on Grayson Waller. 
And I actually really, really, I thought this match was an underrated match on the card. Like, I, you would look at it and not really go, like, I can't wait to see that. But it was really actually a solid banger. And I say that because it was short and it was sweet. And A-Kid's transitions between submissions were the most impressive things I've seen lately. He was able to counter Grayson Waller's finisher into a sleeper hold. And as Grayson Waller stood up, right, you're thinking, okay, he's going to probably run into the turnbuckle or fall backwards. A-Kid was able to somehow transition a sleeper hold, come around to his Grayson Waller's front, and turn it into a guillotine. And I thought that was the coldest transition for a submission. I'm going to put that on the shirt. Submission transitions. Like, it's just, it writes itself. But... I would honestly want to see a match between these two in the future. Like, I don't know when. It could be a month from now. Because, obviously, everybody gets better after every match, I would hope. But, man, I can see a lot. I can see a banger, like, for a championship. Like, it won't have to be, like, the NXT championship. But for higher stakes, I would say. And it was it was a good match. Grayson Waller was able to pick up the victory on A-Kid, hitting his finisher on him from outside the ring. Not outside the ring, but he rolls into the ring to hit his finisher. And Carmelo Hayes made a proposition where the three losers out of the qualifying matches will compete next week in a triple threat match to see who will fill that last final spot in the ladder match at Stand to Deliver. I don't know why they left an open spot like that, but hey. It gives us another match, so it will be Cameron Grimes taking on Roger Strong, who will be taking on A-Kid in the triple threat match. I, If I'm going to make a prediction right now, I'm going to say that Cameron Grimes is going to come away in that match, only because he seems like he makes more sense to be in that picture right now. I feel like throwing A-Kid in there right now would be too fast, given he just came onto the NXT 2.0 scene. The NXT 2.0 scene, because he just came from... NXT UK. So I don't see him just going in there like that. And Roderick Strong, momentum hasn't really been on his side. And you can say the same thing about Cameron Grimes, but I just, I feel like he has a bit more stake into it than that. So that's my prediction. I'm thinking Cameron Grimes is going to be the last guy to be in the match. We'll see if I'm right or wrong. We go from that to... The Creed Brothers taking on the Grizzled Young Veterans. And in this match, it was back and forth, but back and forth wise in terms of just not really countering back and forth where like one move is, you know, countered by that. It was more or less like if one team was on offense, they were beating the absolute mess out of the other team. And then they'll, you know, make a tag and then it kind of shuffles up the momentum a bit. And now the other team's beating the mess out of that team. The Cree brothers will get the victory as they should because they, they're they going to have the momentum going into the tag team match at Standard Deliver with Imperium and MSK. So I can't complain. The crowd was tearing right into the Grizzled Young Veterans saying, you still suck. And it was just crazy. I didn't think, <laughs> I didn't think they deserved it like in that match, but shoot, they found no love out there. Next, we would get Gunther taking on Duke Hudson. And we only got this match because backstage, after the whole Dolph Ziggler thing I brought up earlier, Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis and Persia Parada and Duke Hudson 
Persia Parada was saying how Dukasi could be John Cena, which was blasphemy. And he was, she was like, he could beat anybody. And Destiny Loomis went and drew a picture of Gunther, pretty much saying, like, can he beat Gunther? And no, he can't. I don't, at least I don't think he could. And he didn't. Man, Gunther chopped that. He chopped Dukas in his chest so bad that, like, I'm seeing people in the crowd holding their chest, like, oh my God. Dang. You know, it was. I mean, we we expect that from his chops anyway, but it's just seeing it, just building his reputation is just crazy. Duke Hudson had, like, a little bit of offense, but as soon as he got that little offense in, Gunther was not playing no more and pretty much put him away after that. It was like, nah, you ain't finna do that to me, dog. <laughs> and I'm going to say what Gunther said on his promo. I'm, I'm going to say it for him because, you know, he's just Gunther. He pretty much got on that microphone and said, look, I've been doing that to everybody. I'm that dude. I'm chopping dudes like real tips with my title match. Everybody be talking, but I be chopping. L.A. Knight, he be talking. Then L.A. Knight literally came out as soon as he said his name. Like, he was just standing there like, I know he going to say my name. I know it. He comes out, and they pretty much pick up from what they started last week backstage about how L.A. Knight talks his way into matches, but he can't. His mouth doesn't finish the match. And Gunther's the other way around. So now we're going to get them. Gunther taking on L.A. Knight at standard deliver. And I can't complain. They pretty much planted seeds for it, so the match makes sense. It's not just thrown out of nowhere like other shows do. And he got jumped by Imperium. And then he was saved, by, not saved, but joined by an, an alliance with MSK. Which makes sense because they're taking on Imperium with the Creed Brothers at Stand and Deliver. So it makes sense. I just didn't was like, why would they come out to save him? Like they have no ties to him that I know of. So we're gonna get Gunther and LA Knight at standard delivery. So that should be nice. And we finally will get to our main event between Kaylee Ray and Il Shirai taking on Wendy Chu and Dakota Kai in the finals of the Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic. This match was fairly even. Didn't know which side was really going to win. All up until Io Shirai had a crazy last minute save from a drop kick off the top rope to break up a pin. And that pretty much shifted the momentum to them and would thus lead them to victory. And Kaylee Ray and Io Shirai would defeat Wendy Chu and Dakota Kai to win the Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic. Cup. <laughs> Gotta throw that cup in the end because that's what they get. Not a cup, but, you know, trophy cup. If that's what they want to call it. They had everything, the confetti, everything is going crazy. All right. And Mandy Rose in interrupts them because why not heal stuff, you know? She's like, you know, you guys, congratulations, da da da, but you're not going to take these championships, tag team championships from Toxic Attraction. I'm sorry. Woo woo. And it took a turn where I didn't think it would go. And apparently, the original match of Mandy Rose taking on Cora Jade for the NXT Women's Championship is now going to be a fatal four-way, which is now adding Kaylee Ray and Io Shirai. I was not expecting that, 
But I can see this being a positive because I didn't think that Cora J was necessarily ready for a match of that like caliber for a championship match. Like just her in a singles match. Not saying she can't. I just don't see that she's there yet. But I think they were building this to kind of give it believability that she could be in those type of stake matches for the NXT Women's Championship. But not necessarily ready to take it on just yet. So now we're going to get a fatal four-way. So like I said, just because I feel like Cora Jays is not necessarily ready for a match like that just yet, that's where I think it helps. So I can't complain. I really can't. I can't complain about this whole episode that much, really. It didn't have as many backstage shenanigans. I mean, there were a few, but it didn't bog down the show like they usually will. Because usually, like, you'll get right into, a like, a good match. But right before, you got to go look at this stupid segment real fast. And then try to recover from that. And then enjoy the match. We didn't really get that much to that tonight. So, I give this show, this episode, an A-. And we are on the road to WrestleMania, which means we're on the road to stop by Stand and Deliver. And we got one week left. Whoa. One more episode until then. So the match card is filling up. It's looking nice. So we'll see what finishing touches they put on it next week. And tomorrow, catch my boy Izzy's AEW Dynamite Review. Where I'm hoping he don't bring your boy Devin up. Cause then it's gonna be problems again. Like every 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 Thursday, we gotta come back and address the problems. And do y'all? I know y'all tired of it, ain't it? Y'all want him to stay on topic, right? Bringing me up, exploiting my life, true or false, and it's gonna be problems, man. But I digress. That's been all for me. I will catch you guys the next time. I am on a hill turn episode, not tomorrow. I'm sorry. I'll be back on after his review. And that's where the party is really going to start. So, hope everybody has a good morning, day, night, evening, weekend. Whenever you're listening to this, have a good time. And I'll see you guys later. Or catch you guys later, I should say. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Heel Turn Podcast. Check us out on iTunes and Spotify every Saturday for more wrestling news and to be a part of the conversation. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at the Heel Turn Podcast and on Twitter at underscore the Heel Turn.